Justin Waring is an employee of UBS CIO, a source of independent research views on strategy, market conditions, and trends. Neither he nor UBS CIO has researched or formed an opinion or view regarding any products discussed in this podcast, and nothing herein should be construed as their endorsement of any product referenced. Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the UBS Conversations podcast channel. With tax season just around the corner, planning can seem overwhelming. So with that in mind, we have brought together three senior thought leaders to discuss tax planning. The conversation today will start with Brad Dillon, a senior strategist and author of the Advanced Planning Group's 2022 Tax Planning Guide, which has just been published and is one of UBS's most anticipated publications. The Advanced Planning Group's serves as a think tank consisting of former practicing estate planning and tax attorneys with extensive private practice experience in diverse areas of specialization. Brad will then turn it over to Justin Waring, where Justin will discuss three ways that tax management can add value to your portfolio. Uh, Justin does join us from the UBS Chief Investment Office as an investment strategist. The UBS Chief Investment Office is a key part of UBS Global Wealth Management's aim to bring institutional quality advice to our private wealth clients. And from there, Justin will pass it over to lead investment specialist Sebastian Manigra of UBS Asset Management's Personalized Tax Management Group. Sebastian will discuss what personalized tax management is and how the service can help taxable clients keep more of what they earn. So Brad, Justin, Sebastian, great to be with you. Thank you for spending some time with our listeners, our clients on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Looking forward to hearing your insights. Thank you, Dan, for having us. And thank you, everyone out there listening. Uh, With tax season just around the corner, the Advanced Funding Group has released our annual tax guide, which provides not only an overview of, you know, sort of relevant rates and brackets that you might be subject to, but also a summary of key concepts in tax planning. It's really broken up into three different sections on income tax planning, retirement planning, and estate planning. So not only provides the relevant sort of facts and figures for tax year 2022 and sometimes 2021, but also provides an overview of those key concepts. So if you're interested, if you have some stock options and you're wondering about how ISOs are treated compared to non-qualified stock options, we have overviews of topics like that or qualified small business stock or charitable deductions, things like that all in the guide. So if you want to ask your UBS financial advisor for a copy of the guide, please do so. It should be available by the time this recording is released. As the author of this year's tax guide, I did want to take just a few minutes to discuss a couple of things that stood out to me as I was writing the guide this year. The most surprising or maybe most exciting thing, depending on how you look at it, from this year's guide is not is that it's actually not that surprising or exciting. If you had surveyed our group of admittedly former practicing tax lawyers this time last year, we would have all said that this year writing the tax side would have been wildly different kind of engagement than what we had done in prior years. And that is because, of course, at this time last year, President Biden had had just been sworn into the Oval Office. The Democrats had just narrowly secured their victory in the Senate after the Georgia runoff races. And President Biden had campaigned on raising taxes for corporations and the wealthy. So we really spent the bulk of 2021 under the specter of seemingly inevitable changes to the tax code. Even in May of last year, 
President Biden released his wish list of tax proposals. Then the House released a draft bill in September that proposed serious changes, some even retroactive to income tax, capital gain, corporate tax rates, as well as a wide ranging changes to, you know, state and gift tax regime, retirement planning and international corporate taxation. So really a head spinning year in terms of the potential and possibility of tax, uh, tax legislation. Yet, of course, despite the hubbub of last year, we're now well into 2022 without any significant changes to the tax landscape at all, other than, of course, some moderate inflation adjustments, which I'll talk about in just a moment. The guide this year is really just an adjustment from last year's guide. Uh, A few rates and brackets have changed, like I said, but no massive sort of significant uh, changes to the tax landscape overall. The second feature I wanted to highlight before turning it over to Justin is that this year's tax guide is uh, the the sort of interesting feature are the inflation adjustments made and not made throughout the the tax code. Many of the brackets to which different income tax rates apply increase each year with inflation. And as we know, inflation inflation was a steep headwind in coming into 2022. So many of the adjustments were, in fact, sizable. For example, the bracket for the highest marginal rate of income tax, 37%, increased by nearly $20,000 this year over last to almost $648,000 for a married couple who files joint returns, meaning that that married couple who does file a joint return won't hit the highest marginal rate of income tax until they earn $20,000 more this year than they earned last year. The standard deduction, deduction available to all taxpayers who do not itemize their deductions, increased by $800 last year. Social Security benefits got their biggest increase of 5.9% last year. So inflation had a really positive effect and provides some positive tailwinds for, I think, most of our clients or many of our clients, leaving them many of them with fewer dollars going to the government compared to last year because of those inflation adjustments. However, inflation adjustments don't happen across the board in the Internal Revenue Code, unfortunately. People encountering a tax provision that isn't indexed for inflation, and there are many of them, but some of them are the $3,000 limit on deductible capital losses against ordinary income, $25,000 income tax exclusion for Social Security benefits, or the $500,000 cap on tax-free home sales. Those are going to hurt more during a period of high inflation as those benefits erode faster. So, for example, take the $500,000 exclusion from gain in the sale of a primary residence. That hasn't been updated. That $500,000 figure, it's two fifty for $250,000 for a single person, hasn't been updated since 1997. That's 25 years. And in that time, of course, home prices in the U.S. have more than doubled. So the benefit of the exclusion keeps getting whopped by inflation. So how does all this pan out for our listeners in their particular tax situations? It's going to vary, of course, by circumstances. And we encourage you to work with your other tax professionals and advisors to see how the tax rates and the tax guide this year applies to your particular circumstances. Now I'm going to turn it over to Justin Wong from our chief investment office to discuss a few ways that tax management can really add value to the portfolio, not only just at tax time or tax and during tax season, but really throughout the year. Justin? Thank you so much, Brad. And I'm really looking forward to really getting my uh, my hands dirty, tearing through your 2022 tax guide. It's got a lot of really interesting stuff in there. Um, so as, as Brad mentioned, um, tax loss harvesting and, and deferring capital gains are strategies that we can use to reduce your tax burden and improve your after-tax returns. And so there's really three main reasons why we like to use tax management throughout the year uh, to basically help to manage your portfolio. The first reason is that, you know, harvesting capital losses can help to lower your taxes this year. When you buy a security and then sell it at a lower price, 
it generates a capital loss. That capital loss can be used to offset capital gains, and any net capital losses can be used about $3,000 a year of that can be used to actually lower your taxable income. And so if you think about the rates that you get on long-term capital gains is about 23.8%, and the highest rate is about 40.8%, so 37% ordinary tax rate plus a 3.8% net investment income tax. So being able to defer capital gains taxes into the future and and uh, you know maybe even get a deduction against your taxable income this year can be really valuable. Um, the second reason why tax management you know is able to add value is that it helps you to keep your tax dollars growing in your account. Um, for you know without using tax loss harvesting, you need to pay capital gains taxes to the IRS, which not only depletes the amount of money you have left to invest today, but more importantly, it reduces the amount of dollars growing in your account. And that can add up to a significant shortfall over time. So, for example, every $100 in capital gains taxes that you pay today would be about $432 after 30 years of, of 5% returns. So that can really, really add up over time. And then the third reason is that deferring capital gains and taxless harvesting, these, these tax management strategies can actually help us to avoid capital gains taxes altogether. Um, so obviously... Um, you know, if we defer our capital gains further and further into the future, it gives us a lot more options for how to manage the tax consequences when we do need to realize those capital gains. And there are some ways that you can avoid paying capital gains altogether. So, for example, if you gift um, low cost basis stock to a charity, um, then the char- you're able to, to give the charity that full benefit of your donation, but you don't need to realize the capital gains. It allows you to effectively donate a lot more than if you sold those stocks uh, and then gave them the after-tax proceeds. Another example is giving to your family. Um, If you give to another family member during your lifetime, they retain, uh, in most cases, they will retain the cost basis that you had. Um, So if you give it to your children and they don't need to spend those dollars for decades, that might be one strategy where uh, the capital gains can be further deferred by your family. Uh, if you give it to your parents and they pass away, you might inherit those dollars again uh, with a step up in cost basis. And that's what a strategy that, that we call upstream gifting. And then the last one is, you know, if you pass away and your estate tax is lower than lifetime uh, exemption, uh, you may be able also to give your heirs a step up in cost basis, essentially allowing your family to avoid paying those capital gains. So it's really important in all of these instances to talk about these strategies with your financial advisor who can help to coordinate the strategies with your tax and estate specialists. Um, But I think one thing to underscore with regard to all of these benefits is that um, a lot of the best tax loss harvesting and capital gain deferral strategy uh, opportunities occur um, on a day by day basis. They do, do not only show up in the fourth quarter of the year when everyone starts to think about taxes, um, it, it really is a day-by-day opportunity, and a lot of these opportunities are very small. And, and um, you know, it, it's a good idea to think about how to create a systematic process to capture all of those opportunities on an ongoing basis in every holding, in every tax lot, in every account. Um, it's a lot of work to, to, to accomplish that, but if you can find a way to create a system for that, uh, it's, a, it's a really good way to improve your after-tax return. And with that in mind, I want to pass it on to Sebastian from UBS Asset Management Team, and uh, he's going to talk a little bit about their personalized tax management overlay strategy. 
Thank you so much, uh, Justin and, and Brad. I think I, you know, I'm very excited to be part of this segment and to be talking about PTM, which is short for Personalized Tax Management. And it's really a robust tax management service that we offer across many of our solutions. And Justin, to your point, you know, when you're thinking about doing these things, um, it's tough to do on your own. And so we, we, we essentially offer a, a, a service that helps you outsource that complexity. And PTM was launched in 2010 with the objective of offsetting negative impacts of taxes for our clients by doing two things, deferring short-term and long-term capital gains and harvesting capital losses, all in a risk-managed way throughout the entire year. And we currently have roughly $12 billion in tax-managed assets and provide the service across a really wide range of solutions, ranging from active equity and multi-asset portfolios to indexed equity portfolios. And in fact, one of our key differentiators is that we offer tax management on both active and passive solutions, something that many competitors in the space aren't doing. Now, I want to dig a little deeper into how this service actually helps our clients keep more of what they earn. And as many of our listeners probably know, and as we've all already kind of you know hit on today, taxes are a drag on investment returns. In fact, according to the National Bureau of Economic Research, taxable clients lose on average over 1% of their returns per year due to taxes. That's a pretty significant amount, particularly as it compounds over time, like Justin had mentioned. So for that reason, we believe we need to be more thoughtful for taxable clients and find ways to reduce that tax impact if we can, while still delivering the pre-tax returns of a chosen strategy. And to accomplish this, we can really use two key techniques. And I mentioned them at the beginning, um, Justin also hinted at them, but I think it's important to, to go over it again. So first of all, we can tax loss harvest. One of the great benefits of a separately managed account is that clients own the cost basis of each security, and they can therefore submit tax loss harvest requests at any point in time during the year. But as Jason mentioned, realizing a capital loss, which helps offset capital gains, um, is something that a lot of clients are actually not taking advantage of. We found that only 15% of our clients were using that service at all. And most of it happened at the end of the year in the fourth quarter. So clients were missing that year-round opportunity to take advantage of tax loss harvesting. And so with PTN, my team is actively looking for tax loss harvesting opportunities across all of our client accounts at the tax lot level throughout the entire year to take advantage of that market volatility. And we're certainly seeing a lot of that right now. Secondly, we utilize a technique called active capital gain deferral. And this technique is particularly important for active portfolios that have active turnover because that turnover can result in realized capital gains that reduce investors' after-tax returns. Turnover is the result of typical portfolio management activities where managers are selling and buying securities to hopefully outperform a desired benchmark. Now, this buying and selling can have negative tax implications for taxable clients, and yet the investment management industry as a whole does a pretty poor job in taking taxes into account when making these decisions. For example, you know, usually if a portfolio manager wants to sell shares of an energy stock to buy shares of another very similar energy stock, they will do this for all clients across the board, even if in some taxable client accounts the positions being sold have unrealized capital gains, and maybe the gains are only days or weeks away from moving from short-term to long-term, where the taxes would be roughly half. That drives clients, CPAs, and people like us crazy. We call those tax-inefficient trades. 
And there are many other examples of these types of trades. So obviously, we believe the industry's approach just doesn't make sense for taxable clients. Instead, we review all of our client accounts every day at the tax lot level and continuously ask ourselves if trades make sense on an after-tax basis. When a trade, like the example I just shared, is proposed by our portfolio managers, we go account by account and determine if we can be more tax efficient when making that trade, or if perhaps we can hold on on making that trade until positions that are at a short-term gain go long-term. In other ways, or in other words, we give our accounts with PTM a bit of wiggle room to look different from the underlying strategy, but to be more tax efficient. And we refer to that as taking on tracking error. And tracking error just tells us essentially how much we're deviating from the strategy um, and what the expected pre-tax performance deviation may be of doing that. So we give ourselves that tracking error to ensure that you know, we're delivering pre-tax returns um, that are in line with the strategy. In other words, we're giving ourselves budgets in order to look a little different. But when the tax benefit of not making a trade, exactly as the portfolio manager suggests, outweighs the potential performance risk or that tracking error, we call that an intelligent trade. And that's what we're doing consistently throughout the year to avoid realizing unnecessary capital gains for our clients. So we're giving ourselves wiggle room to be more tax efficient. For example, I think this brings it to life because I know this concept could be a, a little bit uh, deep. If a manager wants to sell 1% of stock A to buy 1% of stock B, we may find that it's more tax efficient in some client accounts to only sell 0.7% of stock A to buy 0.7% of stock B because stock A is highly appreciated and selling that whole 1% might realize $10,000 in short-term capital gains. But by only selling 0.7% of it, we might be able to reduce that tax impact of that trade from the original $10,000 to $7,000. And perhaps doing that only increases our quote-unquote tracking error a few percentage points, meaning it doesn't introduce that much risk. So that's $3,000 potentially in short-term gains that we would be saving. Multiply that by the max federal rate of 40.8%, and you're talking about saving a client over $1,000 in taxes on just that one trade alone. So we do this for all transactions throughout the year so the potential tax savings can really, really add up. But importantly, if a portfolio manager is selling a security because there is a thesis violation, we will also sell it immediately because we want to make sure that we deliver the investment expertise of that portfolio manager just with a better after-tax return. As we like to say, we don't want the tax tail to whack the investment dog. So ultimately, I know I just covered a lot of ground, but we're able to do all of this for our clients by combining tools like our sophisticated optimization software, our asset management global risk system, which we also use to manage over a trillion dollars in assets, along with the expertise and experience of our PTM portfolio managers. And the results have been really powerful. We recently launched an after-tax composite performance reporting um, uh, capability, and it shows that PTM as a service delivers meaningful after-tax performance improvements on the strategies on which the, the service is offered. So really exciting to have this capability and to be able to provide this service to our clients. So with that, back to you, Dan. Well, Sebastian, Justin, Brad, thank you very much for the insights provided, the guidance, and for keeping our clients informed. Thank you again for joining us here on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. 
As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO dash disclaimer. The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author, the securities, or views stated herein. Any specific security Securities discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different in material ways. We are governed by different laws and separate arrangements it is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.